Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemans. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, we're doing that well, are we? That, that kind of night, is it? Is it? If you would, open your Bibles up to Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12. Those of you guys who don't know, my name is Chris Dotson. I'm an intern here. I work for Mr. Derek Simpson. And um, tonight, uh, I want to talk to you guys about something, but you need to know that um, our goal here is a ministry is to equip every single one of you, middle school, high school, all of you in our ministry, we want to equip you with the tools from Scripture to be the best possible agent in whatever type of relationship you encounter in life and to point others to Jesus in these relationships, whether it's with your friends, with your parents, with your brothers and sisters, with a boyfriend or girlfriend, with your future husband and wife, with your teachers. No matter what, we want you to be pointing to Scripture to know how to point others to Christ. So tonight, I want to talk to you guys specifically about friendship. But before I can do that, before I can talk about friendship itself, I feel like we need to first examine our own lives. Does anybody in here, I know Justin runs, does anybody else in here run, either recreationally or for a team of some kind? You don't run, Caleb. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So I used to run in high school, and when I was a wee little freshman, we went to this place called Trout Creek, and it's this huge network of trails for a long run. And I'd never been there before because I had just gotten out of middle school, and so I'd never been there. I didn't know where these trails were. I don't know how, where they went. I didn't know the trails were supposed to be on. All I was doing was just kind of following the pack, just following the people in front of me because they'd been there before. They were older. They were upperclassmen. So, so we could start running. We're going. And all of a sudden, nature calls. And I'm like, guys, I got, I got, I got to stop. I got to stop. But I didn't want to stop because, like, if I stop, I'm not going to know where I'm going because I've never been to this place before. I, I don't know where these trails go. I don't know how to get back. So I was like, does anybody want to stop with me? No, no, we don't stop, dude. We want to be good. Dude, okay, sorry. Does anybody want to stop? And so we have, like, that one slacker that's like, yeah, I'll stop. And so he stopped with me. And he was an upper class. And I was like, well, do you know where to go? Do you know how to get back? Yeah, 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 man, I know, I know where to go. I can show you where to go. Okay. So I was like, well, worst comes to worst, I'll be like a minute, and then I'll just be a minute behind and run after these people. So I veer off to the side, and like as soon as I go off, I get, like I run like this thorn patch, just boom, right there. And like, have you guys ever been like trapped in thorns, and it's just like, it's like you're like trying to disable a bomb to get out of them? Like they're just like stuck, and like if you pull too hard, it's going to just rip and gash your artery and your leg open, and you're going to be dead. So that's what I'm like, I'm in there and just like, and that took me like 10 minutes to do that. So finally I got that taken care of, and I finally could just go to the bathroom. So, do that. I'll spare you the details on that one. <laughs> and so, just kidding. So, and then I'm like, all right, let's go. You know where to go, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know where to go. So, <laughs> this is supposed to be a 45-minute run. Two hours later, we found ourselves in the parking lot that we had originated. And I was like, dude, I thought you were pointing me in the right direction. I thought you knew where you were going. You were, you were my guide. He's like, well, I thought I knew where I was going, but, I, but I, guess, I guess I didn't. And see, we're always pointing people in different directions. We're always guiding people, whether we know it or not. The thing is, though, where are we guiding people? Who are we pointing people to? In Proverbs 12, uh, 26, it says, The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. See, I was following him, 
but he wasn't leading me where I thought I was going to go or where I needed to go. Friends influence us, and friends point us in different directions. And the question tonight that I want to pose to you guys is, what direction are you leading your friends? What direction are your friends leading you? Are you being led by righteousness, or are you leading them astray? And I want to focus on four character traits. There's a ton of, you could just write books and books on friendship, but I want to focus on four, four character traits that we need to look at tonight. And we need to look at these traits in our own lives and examine if, do we exhibit these traits? Because if we aren't exhibiting these traits, chances are we're not leading others or pointing others to Jesus. Because when it comes down to it, to it, a real friend is a friend that points others to Jesus. So the first trait is honesty. The first trait is honesty. A little before we just were in Proverbs 12, in Proverbs 12, 19, it says, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. A little earlier in Proverbs, in Proverbs 6, it says, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. I don't, are there any Bible scholars, any theologians, any theology majors in here? No. I don't think it takes a theology major to come to the conclusion that God hates lying. It's pretty explicit in the Bible. God hates it. He despises lying. He hates to see. It even says farther down in verse 17 of chapter 6 that lying is one of the seven abominations that God hates. He hates, he doesn't like lying. He hates it. And we as humans, we don't really like getting lied to either because we're made in the image of God. So in, inherently, we don't like lying as well. But we hate lying to like a different degree than God does. We hate being lied to, but we seem to really sometimes have no problem lying ourselves. You know? I mean, how many people, how many people enjoy being lied to? Unless it's about how you look and that you look good when you actually look nasty. I'm just kidding. But no, no one enjoys being lied to. Am I correct? No one enjoys it. Have, have anybody in here, have any of you guys ever been lied to? Anybody? No one's ever, oh, okay, I was going to say, no one's ever been lied to. I want your lies. What'd it feel like? Was it a good feeling when you got lied to? No. No. See, lying can kill a relationship from even starting but they can also break a relationship off that's already been flourishing. See, lying does two folds of damage. It can, it, can start a, it can kill a relationship before it even has a chance to begin. And then it, on the other spectrum, you can have a great relationship with someone, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a, your parents, friends, but then it'll just kill that friendship when lying is introduced. We had this dude on our, cross, or on our track team when, um, when I was in high school. His name was Tyler. And like, if you guys ever have people that just talk just to hear their own voice, like they just tell stories, then you're the whole time you're like, Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, really, really. This dude, he comes back one time from a cruise. He was gone for a whole week, and, we're, and we were running doing a warm-up, and we're like, how was your cruise? And he's like, he's like, dude, it was awesome. We went to Alaska, and we hiked and climbed Mount Everest. No, you didn't. You climbed Mount Everest? Mount Everest isn't even in Alaska, dude. No, okay, it wasn't like actually Mount Everest. It was, it was like, it was a big mountain in Alaska that we, we, we like, went up. You and your family climbed a mountain? Did you guys, like, camp? Like, how'd you, 
well, we didn't like, we didn't like climb it. Like, okay, so my mom rented a Jetta, and we like took this road up the mountain to this really scenic place, and we got to the very, very top, and we took a picture together as a family. So you climb Mount Everest. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So no one really wanted to get close to that dude, because how do you know if he's ever telling the truth? How do you know if he's just telling you stuff just so you can hear it, and so it's just what you want to hear? It like caused people to not ever want to get close with him. It killed a relationship before it could even start. Then the other side of that is lying can kill relationships that have been going great. Me and my friends, how many of y'all have like a posse, just like a crew? Like we got the crew up in here. Yeah. I had a crew in high school. Well, we weren't really a crew. We were kind of just a motley bunch of beings. We were just, we always, always hung out. And so when I was uh, 15, um, my friend, he, he wanted to ask this girl to homecoming, right? And so he does like what every guy does when they want to ask a girl to homecoming. They have their friend ask if she'll go to the dance if he asks them if, if she'll go to homecoming with him, right? Oh, well, maybe not. He, he didn't even, he was like, he was like ah, I don't want to like ask her. And then she said no when it's like awkward because I like hang out with her. So, dude, will you, to my friend Felix, Felix, will you ask her for me? Like, just don't tell her I like her. Do not tell her I like her. Just, just be like, hey, would you, like, go with, with Hendrix to the dance if he asked you? Like, just as friends, maybe see where it goes. So my friend Felix is like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, man. So Felix goes to this girl. And instead of asking her if she would go to the dance with Hendrix, he straight up asked her to go to homecoming with him. Yeah. And she says yes. So then he comes, he comes the next day, or, or later on that night, actually, we were at my house, and Hendrick's like, Felix walks in, he's, and he's like, dude, did you, did you get a chance to ask her today? Did you, you talk to her? And he's like, nah, man, I didn't get a chance to talk to her, because, like, I got stopped in the hallway by a principal, and I, got to, I had to go to this place. But I'm going to talk to her. But, but I don't even think I need to talk to her, because I think she does like you, and I think she would say yes. So just give it a shot and ask her. Yeah, he went there. He did that. So Hendricks asked her, and obviously you can tell what the answer was. It was, no, I'm going with Felix. And that, like, that, like, crushed Hendricks. Like, that was when I was 15. I'm 20 now, so five, six years ago. Hendricks still, well, I'm, like, five and a half years ago. I'm almost kind of 21-ish. Not really. I don't do math very well. Last service, I couldn't spell. Okay. Hendricks still won't talk to that guy. Like, we'll see him in public when I go home. I mean, I live in a small town. It's like Cleveland. And he won't speak to him. Like, I, there's been times when I've been with Hendricks. I remember one time specifically where I, we saw the guy at the mall, and I talked to him, and Hendricks wouldn't even say a word to him. He's held that grudge since then. He, he would not be friends with that guy after that. Lying kills relationships. Lying kills friendships because when we lie, where are we, like, putting the emphasis when we lie? Are we putting it on God? Or ourselves. Putting the emphasis on ourselves because we're like looking out for ourselves, we're looking out for our own gain. Like just exactly what Felix did. He was looking out for himself and he wanted a date to the dance, so he asked her as opposed to being honest and doing what he was asked to do. When we lie, we focus on ourselves because we got this thing called sin that forces us to just naturally think all about ourselves. And that's going to lead us to our second trait. If you want to be a friend that's going to lead others to Jesus, you're going to be honest, but you're also going to show humility. You're going to show humility. Humility is thinking of yourself less, not less of yourself. 
Humility is thinking of yourself less, but not less of yourself. Jesus calls us throughout the Gospels to die to our old self, to die to this old nature, to die to self. In, in Luke 9.23, one of the most famous verses of the Bible, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's like, look, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Because we're followers of Jesus, we're called to think of ourselves as second, to take, take the back seat and put others in front of us. To live a life that's selfless and to show humility in everything we do because like, people want to know that we care about them, am I correct? People want to know that we care, but how are we going to show that we care if all we ever focus on is ourselves? When we focus on ourselves and our own gain, once again, where do we point people? Not to Christ. The arrow is going right here, me, me, me. It's going all over me. I'm pointing others to me and not Jesus. And that's not what I'm called to do. That's not what you're called to do as a believer. We're called to point people to Jesus. Because that's what a real friend does. They point others to Jesus. And the thing is, it's like, it's difficult. It's not, is it natural for you to like, for you to look out, not for yourself, but look out for everybody else around you? It's not natural. Because once again, we have sin because we're fallen. It forces us to humble ourselves and serve others. Because when we serve others and when we're selfless to others and we show humility, gosh, people don't see us, they see Jesus. When I was uh, seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade, my dad um, got a promotion in his job. See, he'd worked in a job his entire life from the time when he was my age as just a little lowly uh, accountant getting paid minimum wage. And now, and now he was getting an opportunity. This is back in 2007 when I was in seventh grade. He was getting the opportunity to be an owner of this company. The other owners were, were leaving the company and they said they wanted to entrust the company with my dad. I mean, this is great. They're like, but the only stipulation is you need to move to Florida. So we prayed about it and he thought, you know, this is the next season of my life. This is what I need to do. So we, we, we did everything. We moved our family. We dropped everything and we did what we thought God was telling us to do. This is great. I mean, I'm a seventh grader and I find out my dad's going to be the owner of a company. I'm like, BMW, 16th birthday, hello. I'm ready for that. I'm all about that life. I'm getting to Florida. I'm like, we're going to live in a mansion. We're going to have a pool. We're in Florida. We're in Florida, man. Not Ohio. I can have a pool now. I can have, woo, I'm excited. And like our whole family kind of had that attitude. Like, oh, it's going to be great. We were there for a week. And my dad comes home one night and he's bawling his eyes out. Just crying like a baby. First I was like, yeah, do you cry? I never knew you cried. cried. And he didn't tell me this then because I was... 13 or whatever, 12 or 13, and I wouldn't have understood. But this is what happened. See, my dad bought ownership, uh, was able to buy ownership into this company. But what he wasn't told by the owners, he was deceived, and they had run the company completely bankrupt. And they left it with my dad, almost completely bankrupt, with just, you fix it. So my dad has this company of 1,000-plus employees that, that are going to lose their job at the end of the year if he doesn't do something. And he's just broken and just mad and angry at these people and angry at God for that allowing this to happen. Well, this, this kind of transition to this, get this company back working and back on its feet, it took a while. It took about a year and a half, and it just strained our family. It strained my parents' marriage to the point where I thought they were going to get a divorce. 
It strained the relationship with me where I've never felt so distant from my dad than I did in those years. It just killed our family. But we got through it and God got us through it and he got the company back on, their, back on its feet. And about a year ago, he gets a call at work and it's the guy who sold him the company and left it bankrupt. And he goes, hey, I know that I'm not the person you want to hear from right now. He's like, and I know you don't want to hear this, but I've lost everything. My wife, she's left me. My kids hate me. I don't have a job. And he's like, do you have any openings? Do you have anything at all you can give to me? Do you have anything that you can help me out with? And my dad, without even skipping a beat, says, absolutely. Yeah, we have this position that just opened up, and we could use you because of your expertise. Without even skipping a beat, he did that. Like, if that, was, if that was me, I don't think that I could have done that. I would have, like, told this guy off. Like, do you know what you did to me? Do you know what you did to my family and my marriage? Do you know what I had to go through because of what you did to me? But my dad didn't do that. And he talked to this guy for a while, and at the end of their conversation, my dad said, I just want to know, you know, why, why did you call me? I'm the last person that I would think you would think would give you a job, so I don't know why you would call me in this situation. And the guy goes, yeah, well, I know you're one of those real Christians, and Christians don't think about themselves, think about others. Who do you think that guy saw in my dad's actions? Did he see my dad, or did he see Jesus? My dad pointed him to Jesus. Not to himself, like he could have, but rather to Jesus. And this went on, and... and and, he, and this guy would call my dad and they, would, and they would talk and my dad would help him out in getting his marriage back on track and his relationship with his kids better. And my dad spent the next almost year just helping this guy out. He didn't stop at just being selfless. He moved on to the third trait that I want to talk about tonight and that's what he was encouraging to that guy. He was encouraging even when the guy didn't deserve to be encouraged. In order to be a friend that's going to point others towards Christ and point others in the right direction, we're going to have to be a friend that's going to be there for them no matter what. And encouraging one, someone is going to kind of be, it's kind of twofold. You're going to encourage them in the day-to-day. And if you look in Ephesians um, 4, Paul's talking to the people in Ephesus, and he's like, in verse 29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, and it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In our day-to-day, we're called to be encouraging to everyone we meet. We're called to be kind. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. We have no business talking bad about people, regardless of the situation. If we want to point people to Christ, we're not going to talk bad about them. We're not going to slander them. We're not going to act out of wrath and out of anger. Everything we do is going to be to point others to Jesus. And this is just in the day-to-day, people you see, the people you interact with day-to-day. Because when you exemplify those things, you show Jesus in you and you point others to Jesus. But there's another side of encouraging. And it's encouraging people when they need it the most. And I'm talking encouraging when it's not really easy to be encouraging. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and that means we all are going to mess up, and people around us are going to mess up, and when we mess up, it's going to cause heartache, and it's going to cause pain, and we're going to be upset. And each and every person in this room 
needs people that are going to build them back up when that happens. And each and every person in this room is called as a believer to comfort and encourage those that fall. Uh, about a year ago, I just did something stupid. You ever done something and you're just like, oh my gosh, if people find out about this, my reputation is just blown. Anybody? That's happened to me. And specifically about a year ago, this happened to me. And I was able to talk to some of my friends who weren't believers about it, and they didn't care. They weren't living a life trying to be sanctified. They weren't believing in Jesus and following Jesus. But it was like, it was my Christian friends, the ones who I was closest with, the ones who held me accountable. I was so afraid to talk to them about this. I was so afraid to just confess to them what I did because I was like, oh, if they know what I did, they're just going to like hound me. And they're going to point me to Scripture and tell me what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong. I know. But I finally, I finally was just realized that I had enough of trying to deal with this by myself. So I went to one of my really good friends um, named Trey, and I, and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. Sit him down, and I was like, man, I, I messed up big time. I told him what I did. And then rather than point me to Scripture, rather than tell me, like, yeah, that's wrong. You need to get back in church, like, he just looked at me and said, well, I love you, man, and you know that's wrong, so what, like, what should we do differently now? He just told me he loved me. And that's, all, that's all I needed. I didn't need, like, I didn't need the Scripture. I knew the Scripture. I didn't need him to hammer me with the Bible. All I needed was him to love on me. And he said something at the end of our whole conversation. We talked for like an hour and a half or two hours. He says, dude, you know that no matter what you do, I'm always going to love you. Who else? Who is the other guy that's going to love me no matter what I do? Jesus, that's who it is, Jesus. Jesus is going to love me no matter what I do. No matter how many times I mess up, no matter how undeserving I am of his love, he's still going to love me. And that's the last point, last trait I want to just hammer home at you guys, is if we're going to be a friend that's going to point others to Jesus, we're going to be honest. We're going to be selfless and show humility we're going to be encouraging. And lastly, we're going to love others just like Christ loves us. We're going to love others just like Christ loves us. And you see, loving, Christ, loving as Christ loved us makes like an umbrella effect. And all of these things fall underneath. The humility, the selflessness, the honesty, the kindness, everything falls underneath that. Because Christ exemplified every single one of those traits while he was here on earth. And he still remains and continues to exemplify them as he's in heaven. Christ was always honest. He says in John uh, 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth. Jesus himself embodied what it was, what truth was. Jesus is truth. In Hebrews 6.18, it talks about how it's impossible for God to lie. And since Jesus is God, Jesus cannot lie. So when we're modeling our lives after Christ and loving like Christ, honesty just falls right in there. It just becomes a natural to us because Christ himself was honest. You want to talk about being humble? Talk about being selfless? Christ is the ultimate example of a selfless. He did the most selfless act known to man. In uh, Philippians uh, 2.5, Paul's talking to the people in Philippi, in the church in Philippi, and he says, look, you need to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Because though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He humbled himself to the position of a slave. How much more selfless than that can you get? Well, you can. He humbled himself to die. He was God. He didn't have to die, but he did. He humbled himself to that point. And how can we say that we can't be selfless to someone because of what they've done to us or because they don't deserve it? Because you know something? We don't deserve that. We don't deserve the selfless act he did by dying on the cross. But he still did it. And we're still messing up and we're still sinning, but he still did it and it's still done and he's still raised from the grave and we still have intimacy with him because of that even though we don't deserve it. So how on earth as we, can we as believers say that I can't be selfless to others because you don't know what they've done to me, man. You don't know like the things that they've said to me. Regardless, they're still deserving just as <laughs> because of what Jesus did for us, because how we're so indeserving. So we're, we're so undeserving of what he did. How can we not do that in our own lives? Jesus is, Jesus is encouraging. His entire message here on this earth was encouraging. I mean, we sing that song, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. I mean, do we think about those words? How encouraging is that? Your love never, ever fails. It, it never, ever, ever gives up on me. It never runs out. It doesn't matter what crap I'm doing. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what my parents have done to me or what my friends have done to me. It doesn't matter my grades or my sport. It doesn't matter what in the world is going on in my life. His love never, ever fails. Ever. How, how can you get more encouraging than that? You can't. There's this, just today I was walking and this guy, this guy was walking next to me and he was crying. I don't know why he was crying. He was crying. And this, this dude passes us and he's like, man, the king's still on the throne. Ain't nothing to be sad about. How much more encouraging is that? Jesus is still on the throne. He still died for us. He is the ultimate epitome of encouragement. So when we, when we are wanting and we are called to point others to Jesus, because a real friend is someone who's going to point, some, point someone else to Jesus. A real friend points others to Jesus. If we're going to do that, we're going to encourage with the same message Jesus gave us. We're going to encourage, we're going to be honest because Jesus was honest with us and he still is honest with us. We're going to be selfless and humble and we're going to show humility to people because Jesus did the most selfless act ever known. In John 15, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. When we love like Jesus does, all those things fall into place. So, I want to ask you guys tonight, what kind of friend are you? What kind of, what kind of friend are you being? Are you being a friend that's pointing, your fr- pointing others to Jesus? Or are you being a friend that's leading them astray and ultimately to destruction? Are the people in your life, are they leading you to Jesus? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Or are they like my friend did, leading you down a path that they don't really know where they're going. 
Where are your friends leading you? What kind of friend are you guys? What kind of friend do you want to be? When we're serious about Jesus, we realize the importance of getting his gospel and getting his message to people. So what better way to be a friend to someone than to point them to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you so much for this group of students, God. And I thank you that we have so many people in our lives that you put there, people that are different than us, people that are the same as us, younger, older. You put them in our lives, God, for a reason. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength because we can't do it on our own. We can't be humble. We can't be selfless. We can't be honest. We can't love like you can because we're so sinful, God. But I just pray that you give us the strength that only you can give to love like you love us. Lord, I pray this all in your son's precious name. Amen.